and welcome to Counterpressed on The Ringer and Spotify. We have a special guest in the studio today, Ooh. joining myself and producer Becky. It's Stadio's own, Ryan Hun. What an honour. Thanks for having me. You're the second man to be on Counterpressed. You don't have the award of being the first man because Ian was technically the first man to be on Counterpressed. Okay. Um, we did a obviously a reaction pod to Arsenal's Conti Cup win, but you're the yeah. first man to be in the studio with oh, us. Oh, well, there you go. Not literally, it? but on the mic. So. Oh, wow, I, I feel so honoured yeah. to be here. You should. It's a Thanks. real kind of, you know, merger of the Writers House universe, as we like to call it. Um, some of our listeners may not be familiar with Stadio and what you do. So, in a nutshell... You're not going to make me do this, are you? In a nutshell... Tell us a fun fact about yourself. Tell us a fun fact about Stadio. What's your name? Where'd you come from? Yeah. Tell us a fun fact about Stadio. Or what is Stadio to a counter-press listener? Stadio is a podcast hosted by two men, because that's exactly what the full world needed. One of them is Musa Gwanga, though, so they're slightly better. Can we get him in instead? Yeah, you can. Dial him up. Listen, Musa should definitely be in here. Stadio started a few years ago, and kind of I suppose grew through the pandemic because Moose and I didn't have anything else to do apart from watch football and talk about it and then we started Writer's House and you're involved with that as am I and then you your lot came along expanding the universe and shook and, it all up and everyone's like oh, I love Counterpressed and Writer's House and Stadio's <laughs> long forgotten <laughs> no uh, the real stands know what know what Stadio is the hardcore real ones know real ones know real ones know to avoid it (laughs) (laughs) well we're very happy you came on the show because you're just the man we need so on today's show we're going to be chatting through the Tuesday and Wednesday Champions League court final first legs we're going to be looking at how those two WSL sides got on and also we're going to be talking about a show that divides a lot of the football community Ted Lasso that's all coming up after this Right, let's get stuck into Tuesday's night's game between Bayern Munich and Arsenal. I know all three of us watched this at slightly different points over the last few days, but the discourse, the hashtag discourse after this one was very much surrounding VAR and goal line, goal line technology. And I feel like this always happens in women's football where there is a hugely important game in a team season or just as a collective that the audience is really excited about and everyone on the timeline is focused on this and everything just becomes about something that's nothing to do with football. It's either goal line technology, it's either... I mean, that shirt, is to do with football. Just, but yeah. Well, yeah, do you know what I mean? Like, it's not about the, what, what happened... In the game, you were, gonna, you were about to be like, it's not what happened on the pitch. Florence, but, are you, are you, you about to say we should stick to football? <laughs> no, you know what I mean? It's like we have to somehow make it about like a, a shirt or um, uh, a, a woman coming back and playing after having a baby. Do you know I mean, it just feels I hate like those women that come back after pregnancy. I just feel those like bitches. the narrative. <laughs> the narrative is always spun so many times in women's football where we, we we make it some kind of gender equality debate. Like, I fully agree, right, that the fact that Bayern Munich didn't want to play for goal, like, pay for goal like technology is but really I stupid. But then I saw the manager say that they did say yes. Oh, well, that's confusing. Yeah. The, the rhetoric... Also, the fact that they can just say... The fact that the home team would just be like, yes or no to goal line technology this is a bit strange is in insane. the quarterfinals that is it mm. is strange because if, uh, it also Arsenal are going to have it in the second leg so I suppose turn it off Arsenal if you <laughs> want to have the com- quote competitive balance neither side should have it but at the same time as Sophie Lawson pointed out after the game it technically was a disadvantage to Bayern Munich too to not have it it's like they were both disadvantaged technically by not having it. Now, can I also just throw something in as a just to, for clarity? Yeah, I am an Arsenal fan, right? <laughs> yeah, would yeah. have changed the game in no way had it yeah, been there. It doesn't, so, doesn't yes, cross. and that's the whole point. <laughs> over the line. The line. So, that's so the fine. whole point I want to get to is like the whole post-match narrative and discourse has been about this obsession with goal-like technology and VAR. But it's a great clear. They won over the line. We all know that, so we don't need to talk about it. Well, let's move on then. Okay, well, let's move on. So the reason I was frustrated that that dominated the discourse is because actually 
I think there is so much to unpick in this game. And Ryan and I were already having a little bit of a disagreement yeah. before we started recording. Because I was disappointed in Arsenal's performance. And I know that I now have the brand as an Arsenal hater. Um, but I, I was frustrated with the lack of really good opportunities that they had. And me and Ryan were kind of discussing before the pod about those chances. Caitlin Ford hitting the post, a very good opportunity that she kind of almost created out of nothing. But very not low a, percentage one. Yeah, though. not necessarily mm. the best chance of the game. But Blackstenius has those two headers, with the one of which is obviously cleared off the line. Leah Williamson has that chance that was cleared off the line. But apart from that, I felt like I was watching a game where... Arsenal had so much of the ball, but they didn't quite know what to do with it. They didn't quite know how to really cause Bayern Munich problems and to mix it up a little bit, which I feel like at points has been the story of Arsenal season. Like, if you're not finding a way through, you need to to switch it up. And I feel like that is one of their biggest problems. I mean, it is a problem of the season. I think that uh, before the game... I was expecting Arsenal to not be as good as they were, though. I actually thought they were better than you I had expected. Low expectations. Them. No, not so much that. It's just that Bayern are really good, and it was an away Champions League leg. The whole point of the first leg, I think, if you're playing away, is just to keep the tie, keep the tie competitive, because you can you're, you're going to be well. You you you'd, you would back yourself more at home than away. And to be honest, I think Leia Schuler's header is. It's not a. a I don't think it was as clear-cut as a couple of chances that Arsenal had. It's just a really, really good header. Um, I think Zinsberger could have maybe... If she'd looked at that again, I think a a keeper of her ability, I think, would probably think that she could at least get a proper hand on that. But I think Arsenal were actually pretty good. I think think they worked the ball through midfield really well. And I think they, they actually got by and running towards their own goal quite regularly, which not a lot of teams do. Um... I think the the Caitlin Ford one off the post is is a low percentage shot, but one that could have gone in. The couple of Blackstenius chances, and also just a few goal mouse scrambles that could have broke. It very easily could have been one one, or even, and I'm not saying they would have deserved it, but Arsenal could have got out of that with a two one win. And I think the problem with what Jonas Eidevel said after the game was that it took a lot of the, the attention away from what I thought was actually a pretty decent performance, and it's. It wasn't the best performance in the world. I'm not saying Arsenal deserved to win, but I feel like there were enough positives there to take back to London that he could have been like, yeah, we lost the game, but actually I'm really happy with some things and you know, we could do better in others and just keep it quite boring, actually, mm. post-match. He, he basically spent most of the post, post-match just focusing on the technology, which I kind of disagree in the sense that my take would be a frustrating performance and they've got to go and win the second leg, obviously. I do agree in the sense that only losing 1-0 away in the first leg is that it's not that bad. No. You know, you've got everything to play for in that second leg. You're at home. That's going to be a massive confidence boost. You've played at that stadium a lot this season. I think going into that they'll feel confident. I think where the frustration for me sits from a mindset point of view is you've now got uh, him f- so much focusing on the VAR and goal line technology that yet you're not talking about what happened in the game and really to put that second leg right you have to be reflecting on that performance because otherwise you you potentially head into that second leg just thinking that technology is the reason you didn't win the game, not necessarily things that happened in the match itself. I think there were moments that they were unlucky, not necessarily because of VAR and goal and technology failing them, but more just those odd moments that don't go your way in a game because Blackstenius is still not at her best form yet or things like that. Those are all things that when you're in a quarter final of the Champions League, you need them to click. Mm. And that's why it feels like for me this season, the difference between Arsenal and Chelsea is like those core moments when you need it. Sometimes and most of the time for Chelsea, it does click when it doesn't for Arsenal. And that's not necessarily a huge criticism of them as a football club. It's just for me, the way that I see it realistically, it's like, they're missing that last cutthroat little bit of like believing in yourself to win those ties, to be confident, to play positively. And they just still play with a bit of negativity. But I, I feel like I'm being extremely harsh, Ryan. I mean, I, I didn't think they were particularly negative in the buying game. I thought that they were actually quite positive. Um, and like I say, I'm just to, just to clarify, I'm not saying that Arsenal should have won this game. 
I think Bayern were good value for that 1-0. Um, it's one of those games where two or three different scorelines could have been pretty fair. But I think that um, the stuff that Odeval said after the game, I think is, I don't think it's for the team. And I don't think the team will actually pay any note, like pay much attention to it. It's just to give people something to talk about, maybe swerve them from actually ask, asking or him answering things that might affect the team for the second leg. And I think that's, we see that all the time across both the men's and women's games. Just, you know, Emma Hayes, we were talking about this before, like Emma Hayes is a, is a master of controlling what she wants people to talk about so she can actually talk about the stuff she wants to talk about with her players. And I don't think maybe Jonas is quite on that level, but also he's doing it in a second language. And I think he's doing what he feels is the best thing to do for his team to set to give them the best chance in the second leg. Um, I can kind of understand why he was a bit annoyed about a couple of decisions. Like I think the, the shirt pull is worth looking at whether it gets given or not uh, on Raffaella I'm not sure if if it's I'm not saying it's it's a stonewall penalty but it looked pretty bad it looked like they could have had a look at it but yeah the goal line technology thing is, is and also is we were talking about the fact that Caitlin Ford could have been sent off for that no, scissor no, kick no, not could have should have <laughs> should have done should have that's one so of actually, the like, if VAR was feeling fresh they might have ta- you might have been down 10 men and had a place to stand for the I think event. that's maybe like a, a reputational yellow Moose and I talk about this quite a lot on Stadio how like it's the reason orange. that Casemiro, Casemiro got away with so much in the men's game for example for Real Madrid was because you just you turn around you see Casemiro you're like oh, there's no way I'm booking this guy <laughs> you know whereas like that's I think, women's football every weekend right <laughs> I think if that's Katie McCabe she's gone basically well um, Becky I wanted to talk to you about Katie McCabe because when I was watching this game I felt like from the first minute Bayern Munich were operation wind up Katie McCabe because Georgia Stanway Sydney Lohman Lena McGall they were all just constantly trying to rattle her yeah um, Sydney Lohman was being a little what's an appropriate word to you rascal <laughs> Yeah. Rascal, yeah. I would say, I would say um, rascal, and I think yeah. Katie McKay wasn't getting wasn't getting the reaction that she would usually get from the refs, maybe yeah. in the WSL, which was quite fun to watch. Um, and also, I, what's everyone's thoughts on the Katie McCabe kicking the ball at whoever's on the floor's head? I just always get the uh, Alex Ferguson could have killed him. <laughs> <laughs> could have killed him. Well, I did see. I did see. I saw a tweet again. I think that maybe a big problem that I struggle with the women's football at the moment is that. People on you you assume that people on Twitter who are talking about it have been talking about it for a really long time, but actually like it's like sometimes it's just children. And this 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 person was like, That's actually really dangerous. And I was like, come on. She like okay. She didn't kick it that hard. It hits her on the head. But like she's just kicking the ball back to her. She doesn't like belt it at her. What I do think is funny is that she doesn't apologise and just walks right past. <laughs> like, but it's just classic. And I think I think Bayern did really well. I think uh, maybe I was being a bit harsh um, at points because I do think Arsenal continued to push for an equaliser. It wasn't like they thought, yeah. oh, we need to be negative and limit the dam- damage. But I just think when I looked at Bayern going forward. They they played in a way that made me think, right, if anyone's going to find a second goal or score in this game, it's going to be Bayern. They just looked so dangerous. Schuler was finding those pockets in behind the Arsenal defence. And those are the those are the things that Black, that Arsenal would want Blackstenius to yeah. find, and it wasn't clicking. And we know that with Miedemar out, and they were they were building a bit of a partnership last season, in which we saw Blackstenius making those runs beyond, and it it was becoming something really nice between them. And obviously, it's different now with Marnham and Blackstenius and the way that they're playing. But it felt like with Bayern, the game plan was a bit more clear cut. But I do think Arsenal very much have this in their hands well I think the the most frustrating thing I would probably take away with it uh, take away from it sorry is the fact that Bayern don't need to score to go through because I feel like there was that I mean the last five minutes or so when when, we, when the game got into stoppage time and it was a little bit all over the place and it could have you could have easily had like two goals in that last five five minutes or so it got a bit chaotic but and, f- and, and Bayern were trolling a lot in stoppage yeah, time yeah I mean they're if you actually, they have a very, very good rep, Bayern, but if you actually go through that, that Oh, yeah, that, they're all, they're team, all trolls. It's just menace yeah. after menace after yeah. menace. George you know Stanway, I mean? perfect fit for that team. And yeah. Lena Magul, like, Lena, like, I mean, we saw how much of a menace she was in the Euros, right? And, um, but I feel like Arsenal are probably best at the moment, this current iteration of Arsenal without Miedemar, are better when there is space behind 
Mm. I think that's when Black Stenius really, really shines when she's got a lot of space to get, to break into. And I feel like the annoying thing from an Arsenal point of view is that Bayern are pretty solid defensively and they can turn up at Emirates Stadium and just kind of sit a little bit deeper, absorb a bit more pressure and just limit the space that Arsenal have to play into. If they do that, that's going to be the most frustrating thing, I think, from an Arsenal point of view. Are you still here next week? Are you coming? I'm not. Aww. I'm going to miss it. I'm going to watch it. Mm. From a, Sad times. I'm going to have to watch it in Germany. Ugh. Gross. <laughs> With a load of Bayern fans, probably. <laughs> Ugh. Um, I want to get on to the other big tie involving the English team, which was Chelsea away at Lyon. We've got a few clips from the one and only Jesse JPH, who was out in Lyon on the scene. So let's hear a few snippets from that now. What a massive, massive night. Um, hey, I went to this game feeling uh, positive about a 1-0 Chelsea win. Look what we got, 1-0 Chelsea win. Absolutely love it. Look, no, we're only halfway, but um, just on a personal note, uh, an amazing night. Incredible to to be there, to get to, to see it. You know, Chelsea have had a lot of questions asked about them in Europe and it's it's obviously not over yet. Leon have to come back to Stamford Bridge next week, but what a performance to put in to to show what you can do. Um, yeah, I mean I don't think Leon showed up and offered much to be honest. I don't think Chelsea showed up and offered a huge amount, but I didn't think they needed to. They just needed to go to this game and they got their goal, they were more than happy to sit back and, and take it and that's what they did and I think it was a well deserved win. Take the one 0 lead. Let's go to Stamford Bridge next week and get into those fucking semi-finals. I'm just, uh, I'm just glad they made it because I was, I, I was watching everyone's uh, updates of flight it's delays going into Leon. You can't imagine as well how Jesse would be in that situation. Mm. Like the dad, <laughs> the dad vibe that Jesse gives off is huge. Like when we went to Barcelona last year got to the airport met jesse and just had like a five minute like panic where i couldn't find my passport and i was like oh my god i've left it at home like and it was just in my like uniqlo over the shoulder bag um because i'm one of the girlies it was just in there and Strong purchase. I just, <laughs> just don't know why it took me so long because it's not a very big bag and jesse was like not saying anything just like tense yeah but i think a few days in barcelona you can forget where most things are (laughs) well we have to also shout out because jesse did make it to france and battled some of the strikes um i think they're on the on the plane back now so i presume they're also returning home because there was a lot of stress um from chelsea fans and media about whether they'd be able to make it back to the uk and jesse was Talking shit about that 26-hour bus. <laughs> Not looking so I bad know, now, is it? <laughs> have got the, but actually, we did find out that the bus trip cancelled. got cancelled. So luckily, oh, no. they didn't book, Because no one wanted that. to do a 26-hour bus <laughs> with a load 300 of strangers. quid as yeah. well. Do you remember that TV show, Coach Trip? They could have done like a football. <laughs> so good. They should do a football. Design. That's the <laughs> content for you. But also, <laughs> the IP. to be honest, we have to pull one out for uh, Sophie Lawson yeah. because... They, so the drama was for a lot of the UK media who were trying to do the Arsenal game and the and the Leon game, is that flights from Munich to Leon were exceptionally expensive. So Sophie Lawson, in her optimum <laughs> optimum wisdom, uh, decided to go via Barcelona, which is obviously going further away from France from Germany, in order to then get back into in, to get to France. So she went. Munich to Barcelona, Barcelona to Leon. Well, she didn't go Barcelona to Leon, did she? But her flight just kept getting delayed. And eventually... She had bought a backup flight from Barcelona to London and got on that one. So eventually, very, very good foresight. Wow. Eventually, the the flight to Leon got so delayed that she was going to make it at like half six and it was a 5.45 local time kickoff. Or five forty-five no UK time kickoff, wasn't it? Yeah, so it was 6.45, yeah. Yeah, so um, she ended up obviously not not bothering because she would have missed the game basically and came back to London so yeah pour one out for Sophie Lawson who was trying to make it all do it all but sadly uh, didn't make it but that game a massive win for Chelsea and they go into the second leg Stamford Bridge they're at home as well so it is looking fairly positive for these two English teams can you believe 
Chelsea beating Leon. I can't. <laughs> so I can in a sense that we obviously saw what happened to Leon in the group stages against Arsenal, but are much depleted Leon, right? There there are some players that are now back in that Leon side who weren't involved in that first game. So it was very different. But I do think they were never looking unstoppable. They were never looking like the Leon that won the Champions League last season. So I think the chances were there for Chelsea going into this, but there's obviously still going to be those nerves because it's Leon, because of that credibility, because of that history, because of some of that individual quality. But there were a host of reasons that Chelsea fans can be absolutely buzzing after that. And you would have heard from Jesse's voice in those voice notes that they are certainly buzzing because Chelsea were just so smart and professional about how they managed the game. And I think this is something maybe we've seen from Emma Hayes ever since that Conti Cup final defeat, which obviously kind of shook them to their core. Because in the Manchester United game and in this game, the game plan very much was, don't worry if we don't get much of the ball. Let's just be really, really direct and effective when we do get the ball and kind of engage in that hustler's mentality when we can to score a goal and, and and take our chances. And they did just that. An unbelievable finish from Guru Wrighton. Just like such a nice goal. And goal machine Guru Wrighton. Goal machine Guru Wrighton. <laughs> she gets goals. She gets assists. Find you a girl who can do it all. Um, <laughs> but the hard work, the goal comes from the hard work from Aaron Cuthbert, who was playing in a fairly unfamiliar position last night in a very kind of reconstructed vintage midfield from Emma Hayes um, but she Cuthbert was was really important for them I mean the nutmeg was it on Lindsay Horan she nutmegged for the I goal I think so yeah I'm, well first of all the main surprise was that Lindsay Horan just didn't scythe her down as soon as she went past <laughs> her the fact that she let her go and then um, I just wonder I wonder if Emma Hayes just pulled out her phone as soon as that goal went in and was just looking for Nando's in the vicinity as soon as that <laughs> nutmeg went through because I was just like if anyone deserves her Nando's it's Aaron Cuthbert because setting up that goal, driving through the middle of that um, Leon midfield, and just what I re- I re- I have a real soft spot for goals like this where the player runs onto it and casually side foots it in the far post. Mm. As an Arsenal fan from the men's side, there's obviously that famous Arshavin one against Barcelona many years ago. But it's just a really it always just looks very aesthetically very nice, pleasing. Yeah. And uh, the, as soon as to be honest, as soon as Cuthbert broke through and laid the ball off. You know when you there's a really nice moment I think where you, as a viewer you kind of know that a goal is going in even before someone's hit it. Mm. it just seemed to open up in front of everyone. But um I think the thing that you said about uh, Emma Hayes being comfortable kind of giving up the ball knowing that they have the players to hurt them. You saw that with the Lauren James one. That like I haven't seen a moment that gave me like five aside energy mm. on a Monday night at that level for a while basically standing there on the side just like the best player on this five-a-side game on a Monday night or maybe like a like we're on the ringer but someone's called a ringer in and they're like no one knows who this person is and they turn out to be the best player Yeah, and it was like she, she looked like there was nothing on at all or it looked like there was nothing on at all and then she and it didn't even look like she was trying and all of a sudden she just cuts inside and hits that shot and I was just like this player is too good mm. actually like at that moment, you look she needs to be way too good. You know, it's like, this isn't fair. This is the Champions League quarterfinal and it's still not fair. And you, know? you need those moments where you may not be playing the most invigorating football for 90 minutes, but when you get those chances, the individual quality of those players is going to come through. And Chelsea had panic mode in the Conti Cup final and that's been something that they've experienced in big matches before. And sometimes they've held out, like in their run to the Champions League final. But in the Champions League final themselves and in that Conti Cup final, they kind of collapsed a little bit. Mm. But the difference was last night that they with withheld and withstood those first kind of 10, 15 minutes. They got through Millie Bright going off, which I think a lot of Chelsea fans probably saw her go off the pitch and thought, shit, that's it. If we lose Millie Bright, like she is the core, she's the rock of this team, we're done for. But Kadisha Buchanan, who has not had the best season for Chelsea against her old club, steps up and puts in probably her best, most controlled performance of the season yet. Um, And I just thought it it had a very professional performance from Chelsea. And, you know, I wasn't like 
blown away, but I was just thought you did what you had to do. You kind mm. of were very compact and controlled. Leon didn't really offer tons. There was that one Cascarino chance that hits the post. Berger was a little bit chaotic, like we know she can be in those first 10 minutes. And she lets Le Sommer have that chance because she run, she hesitates and then comes out, but manages to do enough. And in those first 10 minutes, I thought, oh, like Chelsea look nervy mm. and Berger's kind of feeding into that. But if Chelsea can ride out those moments in every single game, they didn't obviously ride out in the Arsenal game and in the Champions League final, et cetera, et cetera. But if, it seems like if they can ride out those first 15, 20 minutes that are a bit weird and a bit kind of, you know, all over the place, they can then drive on and do what they need to do. But mm. if they can't ride out those moments, then they're there for the taking. But it's a massive confidence boost because I think... Chelsea fans were very nervy about what might happen in that away leg. And now it's almost like a, huh, Leon, who are you? Never heard of you. <laughs> I don't know what, how you feel, Becky. I think it's really interesting how quickly those, like Leon, they're amazing and they've always won the Champions League and they have this huge reputation and how quickly that can change. And how it's like kind of like yeah. Liverpool men. You would go into a game against Liverpool men in the past few seasons being like fuck yeah and then so quickly this season anyone's like oh yeah we can beat these lot and i think that leon had kind of been arriving at that point and then we're like actually we're gonna beat barcelona mm. and prove that we are actually still that team but now teams are kind of thinking actually we can beat them and it's not going to be that outrageous or difficult for us to do it's like when you're at school and someone's like you're scared of one teacher and then someone kind of picks <laughs> like and then they don't really stand up to them and then the whole class goes oh wild God, they're actually like human yeah. and you can you yeah can beat but them. that happens so much doesn't it? you see these waves and like and it happened to leon originally when barcelona came like you said and then it happened again i just feel like people want, want if someone... arsenal can beat them five one i mean i didn't want to say this earlier <laughs> on but i was Come just like on. a bit awkward <laughs> the most important thing is that from an english perspective is still all to play for, for both of the WSL sides. It's certainly not over. And I think even though I negged on Arsenal a little bit and I was frustrated about <laughs> frustrated about their performance, I think what that game showed is that Bayern are, are beatable and I think they, they yeah. shouldn't fear them in the in the second leg. And that is important from an Arsenal perspective. I think it will be a very fun set of second legs. One nil across the board. I know. It's all to play for. I quickly want to touch on... Roma's brilliant performance against Barcelona, but that's not going to be the main focus on this time. We don't right? have time. We don't to have time to talk both. about the tie, but shout out and Roma. We'd rather do the halftime entertainment. The shout out Roma the for doing very well to contain <laughs> Barcelona in that tie because no one gave them a hope in hell of getting anything out of their game. It's going to be harder than New Camp, but well done. You limited the damage and you played very well. And you could have <laughs> well done well as done. if they're listening. No, but you could. You, they could have. They Good could job. have got at least one or two goals out yeah. of that game. I was so frustrated. And that that uh, shot that um, was it a great. I can't actually remember. Yeah, there was one that was tipped over the. Oh, the bar. one that yeah. Panyos like did oh. a proper full on like yeah. vamos celebration. So vamos. And they will probably be a little bit frustrated that they didn't play to the whistle and that's how they end up conceding Good goal, that goal. It was a very nice Lovely goal. Parallelo is a fantastic player, but I think, yeah, a little bit frustrated. But they also had two Oshwala headers, one cleared off the line, one an unbelievable save. So a great, a great um, entertaining leg all round. But we, got, we, we don't need to talk about that because that's not no. the focus of this game. The best bit about this match was the halftime entertainment. I'm getting a Wikipedia page back up. <laughs> the one and only... Noemi. So anyone who was watching the halftime coverage of this on zone would have seen that there was a little stage put out. And if you came back after the break, you could hear some like quite bad Euro trash pop rap music and featuring this 2009 Italian X Factor winner, Noemi. So I asked my Italian friend for the backstory of Noemi. And she said to me, there are so many Italian singers who just have a single first name I can't tell you who's who uh, but she was like she won the X Factor or she was on the X Factor oh my God, and there her were name's loads not of actually Noemi it's Veronica <gasps> stage I'm name I'm shocked but Veronica's a really good stage name well she didn't like it 
Um, Her mother was a painter, which is very exciting. Are you really really doing a a profile of (laughs) Noemi? Well, let's get her on. Can we get her on the pod? Let's get her on. But anyway, it was... um, Champions League quarterfinals, are you profiling Noemi? I speak a tiny bit of Italian. I can... Ciao, Noemi. So, come va? We are starting (laughs) to see a bit of trend in women's football of getting pop stars on at half time. And I had forgotten until someone politely pointed it out on Twitter about the... Halftime aerobics oh, from Kimberly Wyatt and the FA Cup final last season. How could season. you forget that? Was it actually like an aerobics yeah. thing? I was getting myself a tea at halftime. It, it was so full blown, it. like knees up, like really? star jumps to the left kind of thing. Yeah. Wow. It was great. Okay. Yeah, a lot of kicking going on in the stands when you did the star jumps. Feels yeah. dangerous. <laughs> it was quite dangerous, actually. Well, anyway, I wanted to ask you guys if you could have one singer perform. <gasps> Oh my gosh! I was gonna say someone from X Factor, but I feel like Ryan's too cool for X Factor, so he wouldn't be able to think of anyone that's been on the show. I remember was Ollie Murs on X Factor. Yeah, would you have him? Um, Selfridges, Selfridges, (laughs) oh my god! Uh, No, I wouldn't. I don't know. Dead or alive? Yeah. I'm just. I don't know. I try. Do we have to pick the game as well? Because I feel like, for example, if you want to, yeah. Watching like I don't know. someone like Dorking versus Leatherhead and then like Prince coming out will be like <laughs> yeah that would be what? great <laughs> that would be quite yeah. fun and you like didn't know that it was going to be Prince at half yeah. time but there was yeah, only yeah. 300 people there and they're actually not that into Prince <laughs> and they're like it's like no this is Prince you know? <laughs> who? <laughs> yeah. someone like that would be quite fun yeah I, I don't like know it. or like the problem is that as an Arsenal f- like Arsenal have got some quite famous fans mm. and a lot of them are I don't know like okay singers I suppose, or okay pop stars. So you'd probably, I don't know, I, I fear that if or, Arsenal went down that road, they'd have some... I think you need to go real tacky. Yeah. Um, I actually, last night at football training, for some reason we were talking about like X Factor, our favourite like X Factor and Britain's Got Talent auditions. Um, and our friend Two Hand was like, oh, I have the, like this hour long episode of Pop Idol on YouTube. Um, and I and there's like a really great 10 minute segment where it's just like insanity absolutely wild TV great stuff this guy this really beefy guy comes on does an audition sings um, Anastasia nice. uh, Our Love um, and is great and then come and then immediately finishes singing and does a backflip <laughs> incredible um, and in that episode is Gareth Gates first audition oh wow yeah and so me and my friend ended up down a Gareth Gates uh, YouTube hole um, so so br- you would have I'm bring- Gates. I'm bringing him back. Yeah, nice. I, was a, I was a Gareth Gates girly when I was a kid. At Anfield? Interesting. No, I, I want it to be... Didn't he do a a cover of You Never Walk Alone? Did, Did he? he? Oh my God. Am I imagining that? That would be incredible. Oh no, it was Unchained Melody. I'm getting oh, okay. those two. Yeah, Unchained Melody by Gareth Gates is a classic. Yeah. I watched that on the Overground Home so Football last night. Gareth Gates, Unchained Melody at Anfield. Wow, what a moment. I can picture it no, now. No, I want, I want it to be at, at Wembley for... Spirit in the Sky. <laughs> Spirit. <laughs> Spirit in the Sky, Man United, at Villa, Women's FA Cup final. Oh, let's manifest it. Yeah. Mine would be... Um, an X Factor moment, Alexandra Burke and Beyonce. <laughs> that also came up in conversation Listen, last night. Which is one of the all-time X Factor moments, or potentially the Nicole Scherzinger one where she takes yes, the guys. We mic. also watched that. <laughs> so maybe that. But I would get um, Alexandra Burke and um, Beyonce to perform "Listen" duet at Box Park Wembley after the Women's FA Cup. Wow, final. technically yeah. not a game. I'm kind of cheating a little. Yeah, bit, but, but Box Park Wembley. We'll make it work. It's for uh, the culture. I've actually got one. Oh, here we go. So. The Women's World Cup is in uh, Australia and New Zealand. Kylie. Daniel. Daniel Benenfield was born in Auckland. <gasps> At half time, it's nil-nil in the final and he comes on and sings, I've got to get through this. And he makes it like, if you're listening in the changing rooms, yeah. you can get through this. It's dun, nil-nil. Dun, dun, and he really believes dun, that dun, dun, he won the World Cup dun, for whoever wins the World Cup. I love that. There you go. Oh my God, I I'm thought that was a little bit more counter-press than Prince playing at Dorking. <laughs> I love them both. <laughs> know your listeners, Ryan. It's I not know. Stadio you're I think talking I'm about getting, here. I think I'm getting, yeah. I'm getting used like to it. We like tacky stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you finally found your free... We're basic bitches. 45 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> I think Thank I'm, God. I'm warming up. We'll do another one after this, right? <laughs> so the last bit of proper football I want to touch on is PSG Wolfsburg game that was last night because it had... A, a very typical referee meltdown in it, in my opinion, Ryan. Rebecca Welch, a very good referee. Uh, I think she's one of the best in the EFL. Very good at what she does. I know some WSL fans have been nagging on her recently. I think she's a, a frustrating referee. But I think as referees go, she's decent, especially in the women's game. 
But she had one of those moments where you just get a little bit trigger happy with the VAR and just start reviewing everything. And it was so chaotic. Wolfsburg don't get that penalty, which for me, I think is a penalty. There was a debate about who had the first contact, but I think it's a penalty. And then what happens two minutes later, PSG give away a penalty, a very innocuous handball, in my opinion. Mm. I don't know. I think it was harsh, but a lot of people are saying both should have been penalties. But anyway, Rebecca Welch initially gives the PSG penalty against Wolfsburg, reviews it, then retracts it. Wolfsburg go up the other end of the pitch, handball on Dalmeida, which I think is more of an accidental handball, but the handball stuff is a bit wishy-washy at the moment. Rebecca Welsh reviews it, gives it, gives Dalmeida a second yellow card. She's sent off. The whole There's so many elements for me that were wrong, but I just feel like it was such a case in point of like, you, you're VARing for the sake of VARing in that point. Uh, I don't think that's actually on Rebecca Welch. I think it's on, uh, I think it was Darren England who was on VAR because they make the call yes, to go and refer it. Yes, they say in right. your ear, like, could you yeah. go and have a look? Um, I actually don't think they need to make the call to review that first one because she, she re- rewards the penalty, right? Yeah. And I yeah. think it's fine. Yeah. Um, I think overturning it is such a big call, especially when you see what the second one was awarded for and then the second yellow. I mean... There is this, to be honest, I think there's the handball law in general. You could do a whole episode about this. It just needs rewriting because it's so, like the punishment for the crime is wild mm-hmm. a lot of the time. You're, if, if, if it's like, you know, a deliberate handball on the line should not have the same punishment as what happened in the PSG Wolfsburg game. I, yeah, I thought it was really harsh. I mean, it did spark a very boring game into life. There was also another VAR check that happened in the first half that came to nothing. Like, mm. Rebecca Welsh didn't go over to the monitor or anything. So it was just, it, it was entertaining because it, it, it sprinkled a little bit of chaos into a pretty dry affair, but it was like unnecessary chaos because... No chaos is unnecessary. <laughs> because... Flo. She she didn't need she should really Wolfsburg should have conceded that penalty PSG potentially would have been one 0 up and had ten play, eleven players on the pitch and it could have been a very different situation for them at least them going a goal down because of that other penalty meant that PSG kind of had to fight for it and it created a bit more space on the pitch and then we had a bit more life in the game but still I'm I I felt like it was really restrained because we didn't see the Wolfsburg that we should have mm. done in that game it was. Such a drab, drab game. And I feel like in the second leg, Wolfsburg at home, I'm hoping they come out flying because they're so, they're so much better than that. Yeah, I think also just a quick thing on PSG, they should have been one, maybe two up at that point anyway. They had a couple of really, really good... I think Diani had one at the back post, which should be in. Yeah. And uh, I think that's the annoying thing when you get to this stage. You can get you can get like hurt by a, a ropey decision if you haven't put your chances away. Yeah. What can you do? What can you do? Anyway, we started this podcast saying didn't want to talk about VAR and go on technology, but here we are. Liar. Anyway, that's enough real football because new season of Ted Lasso is out. A very, I'm going to say controversial, but I don't mean it in like a kind of actual <laughs> It's not going to get cancelled. <laughs> <laughs> controversial in the sense that it divides people, it divides the timeline. And Becky and I were having a conversation about, right, we're getting Ryan on the show. What can we talk about when it comes to like pop culture and media? Can I just tell everyone what I suggested? I suggested talking about Netflix's Perfect Match, which is basically like an all-star game of Netflix dating shows in yeah, one. Yeah, actually, you know what? You did smash the counter-press brief there. I did. That, yeah. and, and, we'll save and Flo it for came another... back with Ted Lasso and I was like... We'll we'll save it for another God, we'll sorry. save it for another episode. Don't worry, but we'll have perfect match. <laughs> we'll in our steal back your idea. Do it. But I'd be honoured. It's it is. Uh... We'll do it in in honour of you episode. So season three of Ted Lasso is out. I'm sure everyone knows what Ted Lasso is, but basically, fictional TV show made on Apple TV about a football coach who comes to England from American football, played by Jason Sudeikis. And he's kind of like a lovable, lovable village idiot and he takes over this fictional Me? team. He is, though. His whole shtick is like he's a bit dumb, but like he's a really nice guy and that's why everyone loves him. I don't think it's that he's dumb. He doesn't know about football. Come on. No, but... Okay. Maybe, maybe I'm Are you soccer anyway. shaming people? This is outrageous. <laughs> no, I thought this was people. a safe space. Like, anyway, Ryan, <laughs> wrong. I know, I was, Ryan wrong. hasn't Naive. seen the show. No, I think I've seen like one, maybe two episodes, but a long time ago. I, not, I'm, not, I'm definitely not an avid Ted Lasso watcher, put it that way. I tried to give it a go when I had COVID in November 2021, so a very long time ago. I maybe did 
four or five episodes and I couldn't get into it. I found the whole thing really annoying, really cringe. I didn't find it funny. But I feel like you're this a boring is, hater. This can I, is can, I just, can I just clarify the position? So just for anyone, I'm neutral. Flo's a hater. Becky's a lover. Yeah, Becky's pro. My face. I'm pro Ted Lasso. Yeah. Okay. And I feel like having tweeted about this this morning, it really does divide the the kind of timeline on this because there's those of us who find it cringe and annoying. Um, and uh, Emily Oram kind of makes a good point, and maybe Becky's going to lean on this side of it, is actually, are we as English uh, football nerds too harsh on Ted Lasso? And is there a place for that warm, schmaltzy element that the show brings? Is there a place for that in English football culture? And are we all being a bit too harsh? I like don't understand the hate for it really i think from what i've seen it's like oh it's so cool to be a hater and i'm mm. like guys just enjoy it it's wholesome and like easy to watch you don't need everything to be like this is exactly what represents our football culture i do think as a as a, a wider point we might have a nicer culture in football if people were just nicer this is a really i think this is an interesting thing because i from what i've seen of it it seems like it doesn't, it doesn't just, trigger me yeah. or anything like that. It's no, like, I don't think, like it's, it I just, just seems it, it seems really it seems really nice, and everyone yeah. I know who's into it always talks about how like wholesome it is. I feel like there's a I think it's stri- not wanting to go too kind of like in this essay. I will, but like <laughs> I think it strikes a, into like the heart of a deeper specific English issue, not even British issue, yeah. like English issue of like there's a bit of a thing going on with and um, we found it when we started study uh, when we joined the Ringer because it's obviously a big uh, US audience and like. One of the first things Moose and I said was, if you call, call it soccer, we really don't care. It's not That's not a thing for us. Yeah. The, the whole soccer football thing, I really don't care. Call it what you want to call it. Love it how you want to love it, for want of a better term. And just like uh, get the things that you want to get out of the game. And I feel like there is sometimes with the Ted Lesser thing, it strikes what I imagine having not like seen every episode and been, been like a massive connoisseur of the show, is that it gives English people a little bit too much opportunity to snark. Mm. And then you have uh, American soccer fans who are a bit like, oh no, but hang on, like we actually really do have a great like soccer culture and everyone takes the piss out of us. And, you know, it's just, it's like, I just I just want everyone to get along, actually. <laughs> like, that's basically I think the, 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 the biggest problem I have with it is that I just don't find it funny. That everyone said to me, oh, I like it's you're really funny. I do funny. think it is funny. I, I, and I honestly watched... Far, I tried to give it a chance. I think you had bad COVID brain. And I just didn't laugh You just didn't once. get it. And what I the girls that get it, get it. The girls that don't. And what don't. I don't understand <laughs> is how it's managed to kind of ride this insane cultural wave where it's in FIFA. They were at the White House talking about mental health. And I was thinking, wait, how is a TV show made by Apple, one of the biggest companies in the world, conned the president into a PR stunt about mental health in order to promote the third season of the show. Now, I know America that's is the not, biggest capitalist the culture in the world, but mm. I just like, I don't understand how a fairly like, okay TV show, I think obviously made by people that don't know much about football and that isn't very funny, transformed into this like cultural phenomenon. It do- like, I don't get it and I probably never will and lots of people love it and lots of people don't and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. Like everyone is entitled to enjoy whatever TV show they want. I watch lots of <laughs> things that people think are utter trash. Like, oh, we know. Like Perfect Match. <laughs> we know. <laughs> so, like, don't hate you on know, Perfect Match, listen. I watch be- like Real Housewives of Beverly Hills. A lot of people wouldn't touch that with a barge pole. So I understand like people have a different appetite and interest for things but I just am baffled by the scale of of the brand like you can buy the shirt you can buy the merch you can like even play it and you had you could play as Ted Lasso before you could play as a women's footballer in FIFA like that's crazy yeah, yeah I mean that's not, not again, that's, that's not great that's, that's also not Ted Lasso that's not Ted no, Lasso that's, that's not their fault that's like FIFA being fucking idiots I just can't see where the where the the, the obsession I mean, has a, come from I mean, I mean I think, okay you might not see where the obsessions come from but like it is huge and it is a huge show and all of those things happen for because it's huge and because people enjoy it. I think that that is just irrelevant to what mm. we're talking about. <laughs> I think I think it's really interesting or the thing that I find really interesting about shows like this or just any show actually is like what breaks through, what starts getting referenced mm. by people 
like quite regularly and how how like how and why that happens you know for example like one of my favorite shows from last year was the bear but it was still like it was never going to be as as big as ted lasso or it isn't as big or it won't be i don't think but it it became a thing that kind of grew to the point where people were you know if people had seen it they would be like yes chef or they'd be like these little and you're like oh my god this is actually cutting through i think with the thing that i don't like about shows like this is that it does when people just want to like hate like really really dunk on it because mm. uh, it's like well it obviously strikes a bit of a chord with some people everyone i know who loves it has talked about how wholesome it is it's so it's very, just a bit yeah, like wholesome. just let like it, at the end of the day you're not arguing about who has run 100 meters quicker like art is a subjective form right so it's like some people's favorite things is some people's least favorite things and i don't know i think it's I think it's because it's specifically this weird relationship of like yeah. American soccer manager in England, Americans loving it. Oh, and, but also then it seeped through into like when Jesse Marsh was at Leeds and some of the press conferences were like referencing Ted Lasso. And you're like, let's not do that. I think that, I think you're right in that, that if something is going to embody itself in something that's already controversial within the football culture, then you're always going to invite that uh, debate. But I don't think, but sorry, to, I don't think it's controversial. No, I, think I don't English, think it I think, should I think be, it's just, it's it one is. of those things where it's kind of like, you know where, you know, I don't know if you've seen it, it was a gif of like two kids doing karate and none of them are actually landing blows and it's really, really cute and wholesome. <laughs> but it, that kind of feels like what this, this whole like American English soccer football thing is. It's a bit like, Actually, we're both kind of like, why don't we just both get along with it and appreciate that? You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah, fine. It, it doesn't. It doesn't need. It doesn't need to be controversial. But because it is, mm. therefore, the show will always have that marmite mentality because it revolves around a topic that people are touchy about. Um, but I think it's interesting to see where the show kind of like moves on because it's quite a simple concept. And I think if I'm right, Becky, like they've tried to get more and more sort of like relevant and relatable to like true concerns in the football like universe in terms of like issues around sponsorship and club ownership and all these kind of talking points so I wonder like how it moves from this first season which is the only season I watched which was like very much just like really wholesome and nice and kind of the journey of like being part of a team and all this into actually trying to maybe build in more of a cultural relevance to the modern game and say like we're actually going to talk about issues that are issues that are going on in football right now around like who owns a club and do you say yes to the X sponsor or whatever and I feel like that's like the hardest thing to keep up with is when you're still trying to be a football show that football people will like but some of them are saying no and still hit the like wholesome general entertainment mark because that is quite hard to do and that's probably why a lot of people are put off because they're like i want football i don't want silly football i don't i I don't think that that the people i don't i don't think people are watching it because they want football like it's not really a show about the football i've I've got a little bit of theory i used to watch dream team and that was a soap opera that gave you enough football right so i was going to say i wonder whether a lot of the backlash from an english perspective is because of dream team I love Dream They're just Team. Like, that was such if a Dream good Team show. Was, if Dream Team was around now, it'd be in FIFA. You know what I mean? Like that kind of thing. Well, like, if you Harch, actually I preferred watch, the Harchester Rovers kits. If you, <laughs> I mean, it was a great kit. If you watch, um, yeah. if you watch the clips on YouTube of Dream Team and the way that they just threw people literally into plane crashes mm. in order to tie up end of season plot lines, I feel plot like Ted Lasso, I, haven't, I haven't got to that. I haven't watched season three of Ted Lasso, but maybe they all die in a plane crash at the end. That's how they wrap it up. I don't know. I'm into. If and they do it, that, let me into, know. Then it turns into Lost. If they do that, let me know because I would genuinely tune in for that. I think I need more drama, less wholesomeness. Maybe that is the issue. It's nothing. Maybe it's, maybe you need to do some inner work and work out why that is. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of. Uh, I don't know. Flo's, there's a lot of agendas coming out of Florence Lowe's use today. What my plane crash agenda? <laughs> no, just like anti Arsenal, anti Ted Lasso. Yeah, but I'm not. How can you hate on Ted? Actually, can I just say I love his mustache? Yeah, I'm a. I'm a. Jason Sudeikis is a, a sexy, sexy man. Well, Kieran, Kieran Tyrum said, "Is Ryan more Ted, Coach Beard, or Roy Kent?" Uh, you I, I don't it, know. So. I don't. Can't remember Beard. who's who. Is, mm. What's Beard? Is that bad or good? Or it doesn't have to be. If it doesn't. Uh, you're not Roy. I don't know. Sure. Who, is that good or bad? Which one's uh, that it's again? It's bad that you're not Roy because he's the best. So. Which oh. one's Roy? Wow. That's, good player. That, that felt like a shot. Sorry. You're the, definitely not Roy because he's the best. <laughs> is he the captain? <laughs> yeah. Right, okay. He's my, can... my favourite, but okay. you're not... He's like grumpy. Oh, and... Yeah, well, Moose is everyone's favourite, so Moose is probably... No, Moose is not Roy either. No. Moose is Ted. 
Oh. I think, and your coach beard. Okay, that's, that's fine. I, like his is he the assistant? Beard. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I get that. Well, let us know on Twitter where you stand. A few of you already had have anyway, but um, yeah, let us know what your thoughts are on Ted Lasso. It can, is... I, can I just jump in? Yeah. Don't Don't direct them at me. Direct them at, <laughs> at Floyd Tweet. But I know, I mean, I've been talking... <laughs> It, it also another reason why it came up is because I've been talking all week in the group chats on WhatsApp in various group chats about Ted Lesso because of that White House thing. So it's very much like front and center of my mind with a lot of people that like know the inner workings of the show as well. And it's just like I can't stop the like Ted Lasso is living rent free in my brain. Yeah, I feel like I feel like that came across quite a lot in this podcast. Yeah, so, I think I think this. I'm, I'm, I I don't want to be mean. You know, I love you, right? Be but mean. I feel like. She needs this was it. more about you than Ted Lasso. <laughs> My uh, Ted Lasso issues. Go to therapy, babe. Imagine Some people went... will literally hate on Ted Lasso instead of going to therapy. Imagine if you went to therapy and you were like, so I've got this issue with Ted Lasso and I really need to work through it. But, you know. I think you could find out a lot about yourself if you did yeah. that. Have you ever seen the famous Ryan Gosling Saturday Night Live papaya sketch about Avatar no. when he's like obsessed with the fact that they used uh, no papyrus sorry papyrus for the avatar yeah. text this is like flowing like flows just like I can't I just think Arsenal needed to create more chances and why is Jonas Odeval talking about VAR pretty much <laughs> it's been it's been a stressful week anyway Ryan thank you for coming on thanks for having me this was lovely I hope you enjoyed it it was a it was a chaotic like, show so I feel like you tapped into the brand quite well thanks I feel like uh, you know I was just trying to not give the ball away for the first half of it and then <laughs> And hopefully we'll get you on again soon and we'll get some perfect match chat going because I'm very much up for it. I haven't watched it yet, but it's on my list. I mean, if you want to, you can. Uh, I've seen my housemates watched something and I've been in the living room. It is good stuff. Yeah. yeah. It's I classic. Mean, it's yeah. just, you know, it does yeah. what it says on the tin. Can we, Ryan, will you come back for an episode that's just completely not, not about football? Well, I would love that. I'd like my to favorite know more episodes. of your thoughts on, on things, things in general. Oh, that. Thanks. Yeah. It's like that Eurovision song by the um, Icelandic <laughs> people. That's like when he's. It's like a song about his baby, and he's like, "I can't Aww. wait to know what you think about things." Aww. That's how I feel about you, Ryan. <laughs> Thanks. I'm a baby. <laughs> when was that? Which Eurovision was that? <laughs> the one that was cancelled, and it should have won Eurovision. Oh. It's so good. All right. Let's do a whole episode on that. <laughs> we will do definitely do a Eurovision special when the time comes in a couple of weeks. Obviously, UK hosting, but. We've gone off tangent <laughs> as per. Ryan, thank you for Thanks. coming in. We'll obviously be back on Monday. Jesse will be back um, and we'll be back to our usual run of events reflecting on some huge matches in the WSL. We'll see you then. <laughs>